Tales from the Tavern was recorded in front of a live Twitch audience. Hi, everyone. We are live. We're back with another episode of Tales from the Tavern. We've been having a lot of fun uh, hanging out in the green room before the stream started. So uh, we're a little bit, little bit behind schedule. So without any further ado, we're going to dive right in with introductions. We're going to start with Isabel. Uh, Isabel, tell us a little about who you are and what you do and where people can find you on social media. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Isabel. Uh, <laughs> I am on Twitter under the handle Unox Powered Game because games was already taken, apparently. Um, I have been playing tabletop games, uh, multiple genres, for about 15 years now. Um, I started with 2E, um, and I'm currently doing Starfinder, uh, but I specialize in Pathfinder mainly. That's awesome. I have yet to play Starfinder, but I've played first edition Pathfinder for a couple of years now. So it is lovely. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things. Well, awesome. I am glad that you are here. Uh, Jen, we'll go to you next. Uh, my name is Jen, Twitter at Jen Burb, J-I-E-N-B-I-R-B, because I'm a burb. My TTRPG Enlightenment so to speak, uh, was freshman year of college because, of course, leave it to me to find a one-shot that turned into a, like, a full-on campaign um, in, during orientation week at three in the morning because that's who I am as a person. Um, I started off playing 3-5 and Pathfinder. Um, three, Pathfinder will always be my one true love just because I just love watching those numbers go further and further up. <laughs> <laughs> But more recently, I've gotten into 5e and also a lot of more indie games, Powered by the Apocalypse, uh, Quest, Blades in the Dark. Um, always, always looking for uh, new TTRPGs to learn just because there's so many out there um, other than just D&D. And I'm very just I'm just very excited to learn as many systems as I possibly can, just so I have a large repertoire. But yeah, that's me. Hi, guys. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm all about indie systems, too, and I love Quest. So... <laughs> Mm -hmm. um matt we'll go to you next well hello hello everybody i'm matt matt from roleplay chat we're a bi-weekly discussion podcast about tabletop rpgs i have guests from all over the community join me for fun deep dives about all kinds of things luna joined me for an episode a while back it was a lot of fun uh and, and yeah and i am i've been a game master for about 10 years i've been playing a uh, number of different tabletop RPGs for about that time as well. I cut my teeth on D&D 4th edition, which was, uh, that, that was the first edition I ran as a game master, and I loved it. I don't care what anybody says, <laughs> I loved D&D 4th edition. Um, and I'm a role player, I love role play. So anyway, that that that's that's me. I play, right now I've been running a lot of Fate, Fate like the Fate system games. I find it really easy to get into. It's really easy to onboard people. I think I've run like four or five one shots with new people trying to get them into the hobby. I had a backlog of my friends IRL who wanted to play, but then the pandemic happened and then I couldn't. But anyway, I, I love Fate. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It makes for fun role play. And I'm currently learning Vampire the Masquerade. So we're going to see how that goes. But that's, that's a fun, very gritty, very dark uh, role playing game as well. 
Yes, that's awesome. Uh, and yes, I've been on Matt's uh, podcast before and it was a lot of fun. So definitely give that a check uh, if you haven't listened to it in the past. Uh, Tal, we'll head over to you. Hello, uh, my name's Tal. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at The Gamers Rest. Um, because I'm an old man, um, my first uh, introduction to uh, role-playing games was Dragonlance way, way back in the day. So that's, the, that's kind of where I started. And so most of my experience is um, AD, 5e, uh, that kind of thing. I do a bit of writing and supplements and building my own adventures. Um, currently running my own homebrew with a wonderful group of friends who uh, thoroughly enjoy that thing of deciding they'll speak to that one NPC who I haven't written any backstory for whatsoever. And I've then got to come up with stuff that will last a couple of sessions. Um, and also a little bit of Monster of the Week as well. Um, so just starting to find my way around that a little bit too. Awesome. That's me. Great. Well, uh, thank you for, for coming on tonight. I'm excited to have you. And Tyler, did you get everybody's names and what they I do down? I did. Okay, now I have that nailed down, and uh, I can definitely <laughs> say I feel very meager in comparison to the levels of experience here. Uh, I'm a Dungeon Master as well. I've only been playing for about three years uh, with uh, my friends. I basically forced inside of our house to play. Uh, none of us had any experience. None of us had ever seen anything. I've watched a campaign once or twice. And now it's turned into we stream two different games, play a third game on the side. Every Saturday is at least one. Uh, and been trying to get into other kinds of games other than just D&D &D 5e because I have heard some amazing things about all sorts of kinds. But I just don't have the time to learn all of them immediately. And that's saddening. But uh, I've tried the Visor role-playing system, which was just a quick, fun way to basically play the game without having the use of dice, uh, with like a, a lot of assortment of dice. And then I recently uh, recorded an episode uh, of uh, Savage World Deadlands, and uh, that system is takes some uh, inspiration from D&D &D 5e, but it's very... Uh, at least the style that we played was very Western and very fun. So I'm ex super excited for whenever that comes out. Nice. That is very cool. Well, Luna, thank can you. I, can I yeah. say, Tyler, it doesn't matter. Experience as a game master is not only based on the amount of years you've played. I've been outshined by brand spanking new game masters all the time. I think it's like a number of things. Experience is just... It's it's not just a number. I'll I'll, I'll say I'll say that. No, that's fair. Yeah, it's just yeah, people coming out with double digits. So I'm like <laughs> over here with that's like nice. my, my little three. Hang out. I would say it's more of a... based on how many based on how long you've been playing. Uh, that's well, I've, I've, I've seen Twitter comments. I I, I, I get that. You're I, right. I would Twitter say is it's... the truth of the source of would... all truth. <laughs> I would say it's more of a mindset than anything else. Mm -hmm. It's. I mean, there's still uh, tons yeah. of things that you forget, like, even now. Yeah. yeah. If, you, yeah. if you sort of talk about, like, statuses, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to probably need to look that up because I can never remember yeah. any of the it's statuses. It's like, so. I've, 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 I've guided, like, uh, Pathfinder for, like, years, and I still have to look up stuff. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Like, and, and who cares if, you know... Especially first edition. Yeah. 
Yeah, like who wears a like, throwaway account one, two, three on Twitter says that you don't have enough experience yeah. for them? <laughs> the book's full. Right! I, I, yeah, that, yeah, per, read it. On it personally, I, I, I feel for um, it DMing or whatever you want to call it um, is more about being able to make up rules on the fly rather than being able to look up rules in a book. Um, so if, if you're good at like improv, improv, yeah, exactly. That's true. Yeah. When I first started, it was like the most possible worst way to DM. I had a huge list of notes. It was almost like I coded in dialogue trees. Uh, And immediately after that, like, this wasn't fun for anybody. I'm throwing all that out, and I'm going to yeah. just play it how I want to play. And yeah. honestly, one thing that I found really helps with things like dialogue trees is if you can really get into the mindset of the NPCs, know what they want, who they are, what yeah. their goals and motivations are, the dialogue will come. Yeah. Yep. And that's a tip that I learned from my first and favorite, don't tell anyone, GM. We're all telling right now. <laughs> I'm not have this on on stream on the internet, but yeah, <laughs> it's alright. It's only going to be on YouTube and podcast. Yeah, they'll. It's never, never going know. away now. Well, it's you on know, the internet. Favorite. It's it's fine. It's just because you're on the Pathfinder for me, and I, and no one else will. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so welcome Raiders. I saw, uh, uh, all of our friends over from paradise. Uh, I almost said paradise RPG. It's not paradise RPG and M it's paradise productions. Now, congratulations to them and, uh, welcome in Raiders. For those of you who are joining for the first time, uh, this is tales from the tavern. This is where chat is in charge of asking all the questions. So if you have a question for our group here, we've, we just dove right into the conversation. Like we were just like, forget the questions. We're just going to talk. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we so, are we are for captains now. It's true. We're taking over. Well, they're taking over. I'm just along for the ride, and um, and uh, just go ahead and drop your questions right in chat. I'll have a moderator that uh, that will get them to us. So uh, so we will make sure that we see them. Also, if you've got channel points, you can use the ask my question next to get your question bumped up to the next one in the queue. So that's available up to three times for the night. So feel free to use that if you have the channel points available. Um, so going back to, we were talking a little bit when we first came on and then a little bit before we even started, uh, we were talking about indie systems and the wolf's blood asked the question, uh, saying, what is your favorite TTRPG that also happened to have a recent expansion launch on Kickstarter? And why is it Aether and Steamworks? Have any of you heard of Aether and Steamworks at all? Uh, no. I feel like a terrible no. guest saying that. But no, <laughs> no it's, it's, a really, it's a very, very small indie system. It was written and written and all of the artwork was done by one person. And um, I, the only reason I ask is because he it's the same person who did all of the artwork for Tales from the Tavern. Um, <laughs> but uh, what's that? Is it like a steampunk system? Yeah, kind of. It's like steampunk okay. meets magic. Uh, he refers to the author, uh, Ty Burris, refers to it as aetherpunk. And uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. And if you like chaos, it's even more fun. Uh, very epic. I definitely I like I recommend people something checking that it out. might have used the system. That's very epic. I'd be very curious to run an aetherpunk system in the world of Eberron. Oh, ooh, now I gotta go look. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of, it's a really fun system. I just, I know we were all talking about, uh, we were talking about indie systems, so. 
Yeah, um, indie Wolf systems Blood's are gonna, fun. Oh, I was just gonna say, Wolf I, Blood's gonna drop the Kickstarter link in for anybody who wants to chat to check it out. He's gonna put that in chat. Yeah, I'm gonna take a look at cool. it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks cool. I, I'm always really fond too of like systems that are extremely micro, like very very small systems, Minimum one page funded. systems yeah. where you can sit down spend 10 minutes reading the like reading it and then you're good and you've got you've got yourself a one shot figured out for that night or whatever i i have a lot of fun with that kind of stuff those uh, are a lot of fun it's like uh, have, you, have you ever designed one yourself me no no god no i'm not good enough at that but <laughs> <laughs> have, have you are you is, is a loaded question oh, have you? Uh, um uh, trying to so at the moment i'm trying to um read quite a few of the kind of solo rpgs so just that creating your own kind of story and I'm trying to get my head around how that works and the dice rolls and, and that kind of thing. So it just give me a different viewpoint on how to tell a story. It's really quite interesting. It's funny that you were talking about uh, it being like the solo RPG sort of thing. I've also tried to make one, uh, but it was based off of like a role-playing game called like White Knight Chronicles, which is like a huge... It's got... The reason why is because the big aspect of it is that you are basically able to summon a war machine that uh, could take form over you that's derived of your character and soul and all this other deeper stuff and it was like it sounds cool and i was looking at like how the game was playing like this is oh god okay. <laughs> yeah. i need so, so it's basically jojo but with mechs yeah kind of <laughs> i mean in reality it, cool. these mechs are like massive and they're like knights with there's magic swords and stuff it also has like a different way of character building than than i played recent or played before so it was really fun to play that sounds really cool they got rid of the servers so now there's no more online play of it but oh well the memories um yeah i'm i'm in several like design and tabletop playtesting uh like discords so I, I'm pretty lucky to know, lot, well, know lots of people for uh, make indie titles, um, and there was one that was just put up on Kickstarter, which I'm really trying to find the name of, as it kind of undermines my point. But um, <laughs> and they, I think they completed their Kickstarter um, not long ago, but it was all. Um, yeah, they, they, they made all for art themselves. So that was... Um, I'm always was impressed really cool. by that play. Because yeah. that, that, for me, that's the one thing. I've got no artistic skills whatsoever. Yeah, me I've, neither. <laughs> yeah, failed my like basic level art um, exams. <laughs> Nothing at all. So anybody that's got that kind of ability, I'm, I'm always in awe of. No steady hands. I have problems God, with... No, uh... I <laughs> I tried writing my own one shot once and like that didn't get very far. I can't imagine trying to write my own system. <laughs> yeah, I just don't have the imagination to to pull up like mechanics. I look at I look at the mechanics of a system and I'm like, you know what, this will work for what I'm looking for. As far as having the imagination to actually dream up my own system, I'm like, no no no. I I write stories, not systems. Yeah. There's like I, two sides of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I actually have real like trouble making like campaigns and stories and um but you know i'm on my third like tabletop game so uh you know i'm on the other side of that yeah. um and that's the combine our powers together 
<laughs> I, yeah, I uh, not so good with people, but you know, mechanics is fine for me. So lucky, I guess. I don't know. That's, oh, it's it's just different way, different ways of thinking, isn't it? It's just yeah. for some people more... that comes really naturally that kind of ability to to see that pattern and what will and won't work and for people it's all about the emotional I guess, content and how it comes together i guess that comes with being kind of like a you know software developer so it kind of like you know might have, might have something so to do with pretty bigger yeah. like you know if this do this but i had no complaints so far so i i don't know hey then you're doing something <laughs> right then right yeah absolutely yeah. i found that like if, as long as like everyone's having fun nobody's gonna mm get upset about like well if you actually look at the book like this and looking at the mechanics yeah. oh, of this sorry, sort of thing sorry. You, you, you've been on twitter haven't you <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm talking about at your own table oh, okay. you're with your friends i was gonna People say gonna get angry at anything although anything. counterpoint it's fun i i enjoy having someone at my table who knows the rules inside and out but we have an agreement where he's not going to undermine me when I make a call. So it's yeah. like, if I turn to you and say, hey, what are the rules for grappling? Can you remind me what the rules for grappling are? He's going to tell everybody at the table verbatim what the rules are. <laughs> so it's really useful. Yeah. You just got to yeah. make sure you're on the same page yeah. about if I make a I, judgment call on the fly, you're not going to turn around and say, well, actually, the rule is this other thing. You know? it's like, not player. I am the player that, like, if... Uh, if we go for something that isn't mechanically sound, they'll be like, okay, so this is what the mechanics say. But if you want to rule that, like, you know, we're going to do it, then chill. But I just want to let you know this is what the mechanics say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool, no, there's, yeah, there's totally cool. different ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I feel like it's lawyering in moderation. Yes. It's, yeah. It's the yeah. best was, for any of these. There was a perfect YouTube video that I saw that there was, uh, there's, there was uh they described them by as two different people there's rules traditionalists who enjoy seeing the game played as like by the book but they're more lenient and obviously willing to work with everyone then there's the rules lawyer that is attempting to only do it if it either benefits them someone that is at the table or is uh they give no leeway and that's where yeah. there's like the lawyer whose job is to fight for a certain person so they'll fight for themselves or the other person yeah. because of the rules. And honestly, driving us when rules lawyers choose to only be rules lawyers when it benefits their character. Like I was gonna say exactly that. Exactly, because like it's never for someone else. Lawyer, do it both ways. Yeah. yeah. Like it's if like, someone uh, has an advantage on a hit be, against you, let them have the advantage. Like it's like be consistent, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like I I forget everything in our games constantly. Like running like seventeen different enemies and seven players. If one of the players forgets something and I forget it, I'm like, all right, well, I'm not gonna retract world. But at the no. same time, if a player is uh, tells me the truth, like, oh, actually, I would have had disadvantage on that attack. So this, I'm like, great, have an inspiration because I didn't pay attention. Here you go. You're playing by you're playing by the books and you're playing truthfully. That's what uh, it's what yeah. everyone's there for. To be honestly, I think GM given inspiration is is underused and underappreciated. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, like reward people for like doing things in character. Not only things that are not only things that are beneficial to them, but like if a character would do something that, in a non horrifically destructive way, would like create a setback for the party or for themselves and they do it anyway reward that like i i really like the idea of that and i love the idea of kind of rewarding characters for 
making choices that they know are going to suck for their character. Mm -hmm. Now, if only everybody kind of played, (laughs) you know, to their character. We got to be careful, guys. We got to be careful because... When people say, oh, but that's what my character would do. Oh, right. Oh, that's yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, a whole yeah. other ballpark. Hence right. the non horrifically destructive way, because uh-huh, I have the uh-huh, long yeah. end of D, that's what my character would do multiple times. And oh my god. That's like its, its own yeah. two hour stream topic right there. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for bringing that, that happens to do I have a story? I'm sure oh. we could all like spend like at least a day just telling stories of that character mm. or that player. Case. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Positivity. Positivity today. Positivity. Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but but you're right. I mean, you know, most of the characters I play um, have got low charisma, and then I suddenly find myself talking. I'm like, uh, yeah, he's just going to keep talking, and straight away the rest of my group are going, shut up, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's just what my character does. <laughs> so. Yeah. He the best thing is rolling. He, he loves oh, yeah. to talk, but <laughs> the best thing is rolling like a natural <laughs> one on a charisma check and being like, "That'll be a one for a total of zero. zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those negative initiative rolls, top notch. Wait, <laughs> what? Oh <laughs> man, I I played uh, a character that had uh, I think because we rolled for stats. I think I got a five, and I was like, "Ah, I'll be wearing heavy armor. I'll just throw it into decks, whatever." And then it is a card, but I'm like, "All right, I got a negative two. Wow. Uh, You're going I, in rounds. I go, yeah, I go next round, pretty much. <laughs> like what did this question that. start with? I don't even remember where we got to this. Oh, from, we got. We were talking the about indie systems, and then we just <laughs> right. kind of went from there. However, I can can launch us into a new question, um, which kind of goes along with what we were talking about. Uh, Nikki, beholder to no one, would like to know, what are your thoughts on borrowing ideas from other systems to make the game more fitting to your needs, i.e. using the Shadowrun contact or loyalty NPC system in D&D 5e? Uh, Love that. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I mean, there's, a dip, there's a finite line between though borrowing and then claiming yeah. if, if you're if you're using it for your game and everything like that uh altering certain things by all means never claim it as your own if you've altered yeah. somebody else's that's a big part thing with uh us it's like we uh think- like to just t- like use certain things from other systems but it's never like, oh, it's a system that I've designed and right. stuff like it's that. Like, it's just, it's just that meme. Oh, you've made that. No, I've, I've made that. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's mine now. Um, I think. I, I think. Oh, go. Sorry. Sorry, I was gonna say. I think we all know Five E isn't. You know, it's not the be all and end all. It's got its issues and concerns. So of course you're gonna go. Well, actually, this rule over here makes a lot more sense in my settings. Yeah. I'm just gonna slide that in and absolutely give credit where credit's due but yeah we will all the time we're always borrowing stuff from each other and you know how many times been in the session we've gone that's a much better way of dealing with that i'm definitely taking that back home with me yeah Yeah, no i completely agree and i think i think people should should do it like in your home game you know you should go read other rpg systems you should Mm. especially like let's say you're having like a sailing game what like google's google's right there google's your friend look up systems that are really good at sailing find seventh c or some other really good 
sailing system and then find a way to modify that into the system that you like and that you're more familiar with i because i i don't want to like shame people that use the same system over and over and over again like if you like DD and you want to run DD all the time power to you but it's still just one tool in your toolbox right so you can't just expect to use a hammer on everything like you got a screw don't try to use a hammer on a mm. screw try to figure out if there's a screwdriver that you can like attach to the hammer um anyway that, yeah, that's my I, two cents i yeah. wholeheartedly think workshop class <laughs> i, I wholeheartedly hammer. i wholeheartedly think that it does make you a better gm by obviously reading other stuff mm. um you don't obviously have to use that stuff because not everything's going to be applicable to a game you're running um but just having it there helps when you're improving rules um because you know that like uh as you said like uh sailing yeah 7c has some great rules but it doesn't really fit well i'm just gonna put two things together instead mm -hmm. so maybe i'll come up with something nice if That's even good. if you don't you still have it like it doesn't you don't just forget it as soon as you're done with it um, <laughs> Exactly. And even if you can do something directly from another system, it does, like Matt was saying, like it does give you those tools. And there's and there's a huge chance that if the system you're playing doesn't have the mechanic that you're looking for, if there is something that you kind of want to turn into a mechanic, you just have this many more systems that can give you mm. even so much as an idea of where to start than you know than just absolutely nothing, even if it's just a basic foundation. Yeah, I think take inspiration from other things. It can. It doesn't even have to be other systems. It could be like a game or a board game. Yeah. We like, uh, like last year we did a, a Halloween one shot, and uh, we used the visor roleplay system, which like has stats that the characters build rather than just being like numerical points and stuff because they're building a character to effectively roleplay as. So if your character's good at this, they should be good at that. It's like doesn't need to have certain stats, but. Uh, Something that I thought would be interesting for the Halloween one shot is if anybody's played uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill, it's a board game where if your stats hit zero, you die. So I was like, this could be an interesting aspect where rather than just like using wound tokens or whatever that the players in the system would use, their individual stats would lower and they're slowly getting more tired and worn down by doing certain tasks. It seems like more interesting and more immersive to me than mm. just being like, oh, you're injured, here's here's a penalty. Mm. So it's like multiple tracks of health, basically. Yeah, because if one thing is weakened, sure, you could uh, you say your arm is hurt. You're still going to run at full speed. You're not going to yeah. be like stopped or anything. There's like a whole other I, couple of systems that we use too. But I imagine that would slow down like um, for Death Spiral, that you find in most games as well. Because you're oh, not yeah. just taking health like taking wound damage and you can't fight as effective and you just die essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's more realistic as you said. So I think it's, if the more you kind of expose yourself to other systems as well, there's always that chance you're going to go, do you know what? Actually I'm taking so much from this other system. Maybe I should swap completely mm -hmm. to a different system entirely because yeah. actually I've exposed myself to, you know, a different way of looking at things. I mean, yeah. some amazing games out there which probably don't give enough credit to or don't see enough of in the, in the kind of mainstream media. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And like, I was actually playing, um, so before Blades in the Dark that I was playing, uh, we were playing a system in another Powered by the Apocalypse system called the Sprawl. Um, about halfway through that game, 
Um, our, our MC, uh, Master of Ceremonies, for those of you who don't know what MC stands for, it's basically the um, Powered by the Apocalypse version of Game Master, Dungeon Master, whatever. Um, he realized, like, you know what? I think this other system in, in that little conglomerate, it's called the Veil, works better. So we just switched. Like, it's... It takes a little bit of work and a little bit of recalibrating, but it's worth it if it fits the gameplay better, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. In the long run, it will be more fluid for mm -hmm. everyone. And it was. Um, it was. I died, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> and just more fun. I mean, exactly. that's ultimately yeah. what you're going for. If, you know, if you're finding the game's getting stuck down in rules or, or people just aren't enjoying it, that kind of switch up can have such a dramatic effect mm -hmm. that... Yeah. Suddenly, it's something brand new, and people are that much more engaged. Mm. Uh. Um, going, kind of going back to like the whole getting inspiration from like other sources of media. I, I personally find for video games, so um, obviously I'm a gamer, so <laughs> that's going to be a huge source of inspiration for me. Um, like, just even looking, just looking at other games and stuff can give you quite a lot of. Um, obviously inspiration for maybe if you're trying to add new feats to like D&D &D or something or uh, new spells for instance because um, in my experience this, this might come out as a bit like I don't know I'm not particularly big on 5e let's put it like that um, and like the spell system and like character creation is a bit lower down from my list um, so whenever I unwillingly DM for a group and they're like begging me to play 5e um, I tend to take stuff from video games and try and add that in um, mainly for my own benefit <laughs> um, uh, and just giving them small little tidbits of like feats um, and like it it just helps generally um, yeah. it keeps as you said keeps things fresh yeah um, Give an example right. of a feat that you've used for, from inspiration on a video game. I'm very curious. Um, so stuff like uh, most of abil abilities from like League of Legends okay. uh, are very, very good because they're designed to be fluid um, when using combat. Um, I, I'm not sure how much you've played of it, but I played. I played a while back, like when okay. runes were still a thing. Okay, so. That's, yeah, a while back. Um, <laughs> so stuff like um, I don't know, stuff like moving through walls uh, as just for a fighter, for example, uh, literally going through matter and then flanking, uh, giving them more bonuses to flanking or uh, being able to literally just throw other people or um, like redirect projectiles as a fighter rather than maybe a monk, for example. Because why wouldn't the fighter be able to deflect um, yeah. that sort of stuff? Um, it doesn't seem like much, but in battle, people kind of, they're a bit surprised when you pull that out as like a GM. Um, it kind of puts them off, off guard a bit. So. I think that's def definitely true for um, for me for like designing different magic spells. So, mm -hmm. you know, the amount of stuff that is in video games that you can go, well, actually... Wouldn't that make a great effect for a spell or, or just tweaking one of the ones that's already existing? Um, you, you can definitely get a lot from that. And, and obviously, there's lots of media sources you can get stuff from. But yeah, being a, not necessarily a hardcore gamer, but um, 
again myself. There's often times where I'll just have to put the controller down and just make some notes for myself because I'm thinking, yeah, you know just... what? Actually, that could be something really spectacular. I'd love you, to. You get that little like cog running. turning. Yeah, yeah. So like, that that is actually quite good. Yeah, I'll take oh, that. Well, that's a really good. From idea. the other side of that spectrum too, I'm not a much of a mechanics guy, but especially now that we're going into spooky, scary Halloween time. Um, I like getting inspiration from there's all these really cool compendiums of like horror short stories books mm. of like 15 20 short stories they make really good one shots like even oh, if you yeah. go find some of the classics like some edgar Allan poe brush up on brush up on the story and like just get the ambiance that's there or some of the you know any of the cthulhu compendiums out there make make really good stuff i'm i've recently been reading I'm I'm a bit of an otaku sometimes, and I've been reading a lot of Junji Ito. He's a oh, manga okay. artist who makes like horrific horror like stories, body it, horror and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of messed up stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> but they're really quick to get through. As a father of two now, I don't have a whole lot of spare time on my hands, so you can read through you know one story in like 15 minutes. You got yourself great inspiration for for a, a nice horror one shot with somebody's. Um, definitely worth checking checking into. Yeah. One one I liked was um, I have no mouth and I must scream. Uh, mm. I'm not sure how much you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I must. It's spiral really is the like the end all be yeah. all of, yeah. of his horror for me, but uh, I'm, like, honestly, I I don't know for name. To... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go. No, oh, oh uh, okay, <laughs> thanks. Um, <laughs> not used to people saying that, but okay. Um, oh. um, uh, what's the fish one? Uh, yeah, you know I want about, but I'm on mute. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> uh, I can't remember the name, but it's uh... oh, that's gonna, that's gonna bug me all night now. Oh, we can just Google it. We'll find <laughs> no, it. Yeah, okay, it'll come really to you like Google ten minutes one. after we end the stream, yeah. and yeah. then we'll have to go back live again because we'll be in like the middle of another question. You're like, it's this. I knew it. It's right there. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh <laughs> well well while you're looking that up <laughs> uh, oh I'm... uh sorry it got uh gyo or gyo gyo sorry yo? Yeah. Yo. Yo. <laughs> there we go all right does that mean fish in japanese i don't know it does not no <laughs> oh you know japanese <laughs> i am japanese oh, oh cool. well i mean that was... <laughs> what what is fish in japanese do you know Oh, on the spot now. Fish is sakana. Uh, okay. Sakana? Cool. Okay. Interesting. But it does... Like, the Wikipedia page does just say fish. Okay. I'm just imagining oh. a Wikipedia page with one word of description. Fish. No pictures, just a blank page. Fish. <laughs> That's it. That's the story. <laughs> Oh, the Enigma of Amigara Fault. Oh my goodness, I love that one. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but now you all know how to say fish in Japanese, and that makes this an educational stream. You're welcome. I've already forgotten. <laughs> you can officially put that tag on now. Yeah. yeah. Fuck it, Rosetta Stone. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is I, the, the half-Japanese. Uh, my mom didn't. My mom wasn't able to teach me Japanese, so I took it in college, so I know some of it, but not, but not as much as I should. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. We're going to jump to Jim the Dim's question. 
So Jim would like to know, what is your favorite non-homebrew setting? What was it? You cut out for just a second. Eberron. <laughs> oh, <Eberon>. yep. <laughs> I love Eberron. It was my first world for my very first, like, actual full, um, like, Pathfinder game. Um, I am just... I don't... I don't know if it's because, like, it was my first or if it's because I like the world. I don't really care. It's just my favorite. I love it. It's my baby. Uh, I am unfortunately never played in a non-homebrew world. Uh, I So when we first started, I started uh, DMing through uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen and uh, Faerun and everything like that. So I don't know a lot about uh all the other worlds or anything like that i mean baron um, counts yeah yeah i mean it was yeah Probably i immediately know. like turned it around and stopped using it and it's now more homebrew than it is Farin. Mm -hmm. but I, oh well <laughs> yeah i love checks notes winter deep <laughs> <laughs> um i don't think i've I've only played in one non-homebrew setting, and that was Planescape. Okay. Which technically is every setting, but we'll forget about that for now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I loved it. Um, obviously, that was 2E. Uh, that was t 10 years ago? 11, something like that? Uh, first year of uni, so that was fun. Um, that was with my housemates, so... We all, yeah, had a lot of time, let's let's say. Yeah, first year. Does, um, does anybody but... else find running in existing settings, like, extremely intimidating? <laughs> There's a lot of lore yeah. that you have to learn, whereas if you homebrew your own world, like, you already know everything by yeah. the time you yeah. run something in it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or if you make it up, it's fine, right. because... Because nobody you else knows. Right. <laughs> if you ask a question that you don't know the answer to, yes, you do. You'll make it up right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's I've why I could never run like in a Star Wars game or something. Like I could just Ooh. never do it. Not in a million years mm. because there's gonna be somebody who knows more about Star Wars yeah. than me. It's, the it's only just... thing I could ever run comfortably without having to do a whole bunch of research is Lord of the Rings. Just give me a Lord of the Rings setting and I will give you obscure names and obscure facts <laughs> every other step of the way. Anything else, I'm hopeless. I've only seen think, the first movie, so... I, I have the best a part. one ring. Oh, look at oh, that! Nice. Oh, wow. It doubles as an ace ring on the wrong hand, but whatever. <laughs> uh, I think the best part of like having a uh, non... Like, kind of canon, so to speak, is for the players kind of make it with you. Mm -hmm. um, and if you obviously don't know something or you haven't prepared something for that week, I, I typically just go, what's here? And somebody will make something up. Um, half the time, it's not really helpful, but <laughs> the other half is actually rather, you know, creative. Um, and yeah, <laughs> it's it's really useful to have like four, five, six other people there to help you make a setting. I mean, I, I, oh, go ahead. I was just say that very similarly. Um, so the first one I think was Dragonlance, and and that's. Probably the only one I've ever run myself. The rest of the time, it's all been homebrews. Just, just for that freedom of, no idea what's over that hill, but let's find out together, and who knows what's going to happen. And that's quite exciting. 
Um, so, especially when at the end your players turn around and go, that was amazing, really enjoyed it. It was great that you got it all planned out. And I was like, they're going, <laughs> nothing was planned. I made it all up. You You're go. just lucky you got a story out of it at the end. <laughs> I started it five minutes before the session. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, nice. we start? Yeah. Ooh. Let me keep that to myself. <laughs> so Nikki said in chat that uh, she said, my favorite thing that I was told is it's your Faerun. It's your Eberron. It doesn't matter what the lore says, yep. which mm. I think is really. Uh, yeah. 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 That's, like, that's nice. But somebody worked so hard or a team of people worked so hard to create that setting, like, you know, on the, the counterpoint. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I feel like I, I owe it to them to, to, to do to do justice to their creation. It's their baby. But maybe that's just me. I mean, it's it's also a form of honoring it if you kind of like build on what they already have, right? Mm -hmm. Or even if you change something that you, that you feel fits better. Like the, one of the one of the core plot points in um in the in in my last sorry not my last my first Eberron campaign there have been two um was. Apparently, the result of a um, one year's NaNoWriMo from my GM, um, you know, just this, not really innocuous, it was terrifying, but innocuous little fortress in the middle of the forest, um, a little bit left, west of, of Fairhaven, like, it was, it was such a cool central plot point that really integrated super well with the lore of the world. So, like, I feel like you can absolutely honor a setting and the, and the creators of that setting, while also adding like your own little twist to it mm, that's fair that's the thing it's never you know whilst it's every setting's got key things it's not everything that exists in that world so mm. you know putting your own little piece in the middle somewhere not gonna have an impact and and people that get really upset about that kind of thing that's a that's yeah. a whole different group of people, isn't it? To be fair, yes, yeah, that's, that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get where you're coming from, though, for sure, because it's like this is a project that has clearly been made for however long it took to be made, and it's like that weird, almost guilty feeling to like use that but not utilize that. But um, no, it's I agree with the. It does change things to be able to sort of wrap it around your own sort of world's uh direction yeah I've, i think that kind of goes back to taking inspiration from other stuff as well because mm -hmm. you might not use a setting but there's themes and parts of a setting that you might oh, want to use really um so that's poetic so that's good that's i good. <laughs> I, I find that like some settings although like there's a hell of a lot of work put into them i find that some are harder to kind of mold into what you want than others um and it's i find i personally just find it a lot like quite a lot easier to just make something up yeah. than try and so, bash guess, something have, have you ever, fitting it's like i'm gonna make yeah. this fit <laughs> basically have you ever come yeah across something where there's too much information uh, the, the kind uh, of granular detail and you're just like you know what, actually, this is stifling the kind of play and creativity. Yeah. Um, not so much in a, like a specific setting, but when I was playing Stars Without Number, um, a lot of, um, for randomness, uh, everything was random, so all the planets and all sectors and everything. Um, and it was giving a lot of information about stuff which I could have just made up um 
because it was going down to like the governmental level, um, which usually like D and D fine. You know, you want to know if the dictatorship or you know uh, anything else, but here it was just kind of like the level one. You don't need all that, you know. Mm. Um, they're not going to be toppling governments anytime soon, <laughs> basically. Um, not, not successfully at level one anyway, but not successfully. <laughs> or they might. might you know? yeah, true. That's about it. Like just be a nuisance to some guards. Maybe there's a really incompetent government that could be toppled. <laughs> I was going to say, we talk about the UK or? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can say that's, that's real life right now. Yeah, yeah. Is that art imitating life at this point? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I've been I've been reading up a lot about Vampire the Masquerade because I'm, I'm hoping to run a game. There's no way. I, I'm going to go out and say it. It's not going to happen before Halloween. It was supposed to happen for Halloween. It's not going to happen. And man, there's so much lore in those books. Mm. I just can't. I can't figure it out. Maybe I'm like simple and I'm having too hard of a time because I'm not sleeping enough. But oh my God, it's. The first like 30 pages I... of the player's handbook is just like letters between characters. And it's like, oh. Yeah, this is great, but what's the game? <laughs> there is such a thing game. as too much information. It's like yeah, yeah, it's like there was a post going around Twitter at some point that was talking about like the difference between like a full like novel explaining your homebrew setting or like a page long primer. Like one is going to be easier and more accessible in terms of someone coming in and consuming it for the first time. Like. It's um, always good that I, I feel to have something detailed if you want to, but don't force everyone else to consume all of it. If someone's just here to play the game, give them a primer. If they ask for more, be like, hey, there's more if you want it. Yeah. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I got when I kind of got into writing was let the players imagine it rather than, obviously, show, don't tell, but it's better if you just don't show at all and let them imagine how it is there. Um, like you can, you could go into detail about how um, for farms gather up their grain and take it to the market and you know sell it and turn it into bread or whatever. But it's like you could just like show that their uh, items are rusted or um, or the country doesn't have a lot of metal, so they're having to make do. Um, like it's small things like that, and I think may maybe a lot of newer uh, content creators, so to speak, kind of get into that mindset of having to show everything. Um, maybe I don't know why, but yeah, but and that's it's a, just it's kind of my kind experience. Of... Oh, go ahead, Ty. So you don't see that kind of thing in films, do you? There's, there's, you know, no, it no. doesn't go into that kind of minute detail everyday brushing teeth going to that kind of stuff it just doesn't happen and we're expected yeah. to just fill those bits in and it, and it should in my opinion be the same with your settings and when especially when you're starting out you want people to kind of draw on their own experiences as to what it looks like it's a bit more personal for them in in, in some ways rather than you know here's yeah. 30 minutes of me telling you every single thing about what you need to know and it's like yeah. Like human imagination is the most yeah. powerful. Like, yeah. And if they want to know more it. details about something, they'll just ask. No. 
there's also some people that just don't retain any of it. Like I know <laughs> yeah. if I told, if I sat down for 30 minutes and was like telling my players about all this stuff, one person who yeah. already has played that setting would know about it. The rest of them be like, yeah, bite sized pieces, bite sized pieces. <laughs> or, or there's, or there's, there's or always one player down. that's kind of like distracted by something else, and it's like, right, do you have to go through half an hour again? Yeah, it's always one player. Always the one. At least. Well, at least, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question. Next question is from Lord Richter. Lord Richter would like to know, uh, going the opposite direction, what is your favorite homebrewed campaign element, whether that's a country, religion, continent, guild, etc.? Uh, so in our home game... It's not streamed or anything. It's just mainly because my friend was like, I want to play more, so I'm going to make a game. You're playing in it. Like, cool. He has, in his world, there was a war between the devils and angels, and the material plane was just sort of the mix-matched battlefield for them. And later down the road, there are those with devil blood and those with angel blood. And as a result of that, they have always been at bitter rivalry even if they it was subconscious so one of our players has angel blood and one of our players has demon blood and they've never gotten together like coherently mm. so it's like as a result of like this in-world sort of uh story element that they homebrewed in there's always that uh sort of uh i've lost the train of thought or lost the word there but basically there's it just made it more immersive to have two of the players on each end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. mm. That sounds mm. cool. I'm trying to think. Angel blood. That's that's kind of neat. Yeah, like uh, he did a few things with like uh, if uh, certain demons' weapons, if they were to attack you, if if uh, they hit you, you're like dr uh, demonically poisoned, which can like mm. burn the blood as well as moving it forwards. Those that have angel blood are immune to the effect. And it's vice versa from angels to demon blood. Cool. Did they make like? Did your did your game master make races like explicitly for people who are angel blood and demon blood, or is this just like an abandon? It's uh, the way that he had it work is those who had direct contact in the war between the angels and devils. If they had direct contact with one side versus the other, then their blood would contract to them depending on what occurred at that point. Hmm. Like our friend was, uh, he had been a. Um, uh, an ac accidental casualty. I say casualty because I can't think of the word. Uh, he got hit uh, as a byproduct of the war by a uh, demonic weapon. Collateral. Collateral, yeah. thank you. Okay. My, my brain was melting for a second. Yeah, he got hit by collateral damage, and that's how he developed the demonic blood, and now we're trying to track down the one demon that caused it. It's the whole thing that's really interesting for his character's backstory. Okay, I'm cool gonna guess. jump. In, I'm gonna jump in on this oh, one. Uh, yeah, go for it. One of my favorites is not in a system or a game that I played, but it's in a podcast that I listen to, and uh, the Lawful Great Adventures campaign. Um, the GM created an entire pantheon, and like, like redid all of the gods for Pathfinder First Edition, and it was just like, ugh. 
everything in the entire world like relates to these gods and and how they interact with the world and what each one symbolizes and um you know there's one point when they go to a city and the city's divided into different uh well, not really quadrants, but different sections, you know, and each one is named after one of the gods. And, you know, so they go to one and it's like super quiet and nobody really talks with each other, which is exactly how like that, that god is. And then you go to another one and it's all like taverns and alcohol and loud and party. And, and, uh, and I just loved, I loved that he took the time to do that. And then how he was able to weave it into the story was just like chef's kiss <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna take this in a separate direction if that's okay um i mean i have a lot of cool examples but something that i love to do in a homebrew setting especially when it's like a group of friends they're, you're gonna play together in this setting is to use this thing it's, it's like a it's a game basically it's called dawn of worlds i don't know if you've ever heard of it before it's this one night game where you create the world that you're going to play in. So there's different ages that you play through. Uh, you start by like physically drawing the geography of the space, putting in mountain chains, putting in rivers, putting in bodies of water, etc., etc. Then you you generate the races and you put them in like civilizations and you help them grow and decline. And then you have conflict between the different people who populate this continent. And it's all systematized. So every action you do counts point counts like you have to spend points to do it. And it's it's really something that you're going to spend all night playing for your first for your first game. But what's like what I've experienced in doing that is every time I do that with a group of friends, they get so much out of it and they get so invested in the world because they have literally created it from the get go. And then you're saying now we're going to play in this now. Now we're going to use this as our setting for the next 20 30 50 games or whatever um and it's, it's free to free to play you, you go find it on itch.io or on on drive through rpg i'm sure you can find a pdf on google um yeah dawn of worlds check it out i have no idea who the author is i'm not plugging in somebody that i know <laughs> but definitely check it out like it's it makes for a really fun homebrewed experience a co awesome. truly collaborative yeah it's like literally taking the term homebrewed because in your home, you develop the world. Yeah, it's really neat. It's pretty simple too. Like the rules aren't too too complicated. You can really get hammered out in one one sitting. I'll see a cat. Yeah. Kitty cat. <laughs> She's sick right now, so she was starting to yell a little bit. So I decided to go and get her. Aww. Well, this is. Uh... Can we see her? Yeah. Hold her up. Raya. <laughs> Oh! Her eye looks like that because she's been dehydrated. Uh, she apparently has a really bad infection. So mm -hmm. she's hanging out with me because she was yelling a little bit. Yeah. I want to keep an eye on her. Well, this is probably a good time for us to take a pause for a break anyway. So uh, so you can spend some time giving some pets to your kitten. I will go and pet mine too. And uh, we can all refill our drinks and hashtag free the pee. And uh, yeah, there's a story there. And... Um, and all that good stuff. So we will be back in just a few minutes. And if we haven't answered your question yet, we will get to it as soon as we are back from the break. So we'll see you in just a few.
We had a quick break tonight, so uh, we are going to jump right back in with everybody's questions. And let's see, the next question that we had came from uh, David Tilstra. And David's question is, question, with lots of exclamation points. What would your characters or NPCs be for Halloween? I warned you all that this was coming. Roll a d8 for which character I answer for. Yeah, I'll like, how that. do I answer? There's, I have 15 original okay. characters on their uh, by themselves. <laughs> like, you want me to listen for NPCs? So, my, my favorite? favorite? I started yeah. with two. That's not helpful. They, they're directly <laughs> related. 
Well, on the bright side, I rolled a d8 to figure out which character to answer for, so I'm just going to start us off. Um, I, rolled, I rolled for the character named Kyra, who is a half-elf um, storm sorcerer. She would dress up as a, I think, like a zombie scientist. Um, she has a history with, um, her backstory is basically, um, she's a sorcerer because scientists were like, a person, what happens if we pump them full of lightning? And she was like, <laughs> ow. And that, and she doesn't like scientists very much, uh, so zombie scientist. There you go. Uh, so my, I've got a dragonborn, uh, cleric, and we keep finding, um, bones, which may or may not be his. So I'm pretty sure he probably just up as a skeleton. Um, one of the other players actually has a hand he keeps in his backpack of probably on my finger bones. So yeah, skeleton. Uh, I guess if I were to choose one, this one would be the one of the ones that I think would be found more funny than anything else. Uh, Alucard Vera the first. He is a warlock genie, and uh, of the I can't remember how that's what they're actually called. I think that, that might be one of those. But um, he has in his uh, in his interdimensional little device a uh, a friend of his known as Schmidt, who is a uh, just like a impish sort of person. I think they would swap clothes. So he would he would be dressed up as his impish friend Schmidt, as uh, Schmidt would be then dressed up as the very like over the top colorful. Uh, basically, imagine Aladdin, just dressed up in that sort of garb and colors, as a <laughs> small impish man uh, who hates everything to do with him. Just angrily dressed as Alucard. Because this whole thing is trying to uh, start a legacy. That's why he's the first. And eventually they'll become the second, third, somewhere <laughs> down the line. Whether that's through family, whether that's through events, or through other people, whoever knows. But uh, yeah, he would definitely just dress up as his little impish friend, as anger. As he would angrily dress up as himself. <laughs> I, I really like that you're saying that, Tyler, because my 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 character would also do something similar, uh, relatively similar. My so I, the character that I picked is his name is Diedrich. He's a astromancer in the world of Warhammer, which is like a fortune teller mixed with a wizard. So a lot of like divination spells and things like this. And in our party, there's a there's a priest of Sigmar, like think like a like a cleric, like a fighting cleric, basically. And the two of them have a very healthy relationship, but also they poke fun at each other. And I'm sure that Diedrich would uh, would would dress up as a priest of Sigmar as a joke to be like, "This is what I think of your magic." You know, you, you know, it's <laughs> Halloween worthy. It's like costume worthy. So I think that would be oh, oh that would be a fun interaction too to have like between the two characters. <laughs> I think that'd be a lot of a lot of fun. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, oh. Uh... <laughs> Uh, so my latest character is a uh, in Starfinder is a Solarian uh, Echian, or essentially a pony, um, oh. and she would probably either go as some future form of like Ghost Rider, kind of like the flaming horse, 
because uh-huh. cool. technically she can set herself on fire anyway. Um, or as kind of the headless horseman, or maybe a centaur sort of thing. Um, That'd be funny. And just just maybe just have a, like a floppy top half, I guess. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> if, if you did a headless centaur, it would be a headless horseman. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Perfect. For, you first go. pun of the night. There it is. Yeah, Where's the, what the tally? Yeah. I'm actually impressed that that took me like an hour and eleven minutes to get to get there. I was thinking about um, something about something cleric, fighter cleric, cleric, but you know. <laughs> You're welcome because I set the that up. The headless horse man is yeah. really a, a, was, a good one to shine. Good. You did all the things to laugh. So. Four, thank you. Four hundred IQ play. It was genuinely funny. I liked that. That was good. Was, yeah. For some reason, when you were that... talking about your character, I thought that you were gonna go into like. I think it'd be really funny if they just dressed up as like a My Little Pony, just oh completely God. like over the top, colorful. It would be a uh, Jen, you and Lee funny joke. Ah, uh, that was that wasn't as good. But <laughs> the number of times that people, everyone I meet, makes that joke at least once. Actually, I have to make a joke well, once. It's it didn't even cross my mind. She's actually <laughs> not that far off. I I just put her in the chat for you guys, obviously. Oh, really? Now I have to look. She's yeah, not exactly. that far off. Oh my god! Oh my god! I love them. I love <laughs> the for, scarf. For, fortunately, she turned. She kind of turns into that. Oh, that is she's awesome. like Battle Cat from He Man, but a pony. That be. <laughs> that is a perfect rendition of what to describe that. That is perfect. Oh my goodness! Uh, I love it. Yeah. Um. I've answered this question a couple of times about my character, Edabrick. So I was thinking about my character, Evie, uh, who was in Pathfinder First Edition, and she was a shapeshifter. And so she would probably, like, get super into the whole idea. Uh, she shapeshifted into a bear. And um, so I think she would, like, totally buy into the whole thing, but she would just dress up as a bear instead of, like shifting because it didn't last that long so she would like you know make like a you know fur cloak or something like that and just walk around and be like roar all the time but really badly so <laughs> that, that must be pretty unbearable for not really a tryhard costume yeah Ooh. love it i i caught the pun you're okay thank you uh, <laughs> all right uh let's see moving on we've got uh, another question from Nikki, and uh, Nikki's next question is: What are your thoughts on relationships, family growth, etc., in games? If a player wants to do that, uh, I, I love opinions. it. <laughs> go, go, go. <laughs> well, it, um, the, yeah, go ahead. Oh, oh sorry. No, I, um, I thought you. Uh, I'll give you a, a, an actual example that my character has been through. Um, so currently in my Starfinder game. Um, she has a girlfriend, mare friend. Um, so it's, it's normal Starfinder essentially, but my DM has kind of homebrewed her race and another set of races, which are basically Amphro, um, and she has a girlfriend of the Amphro versions, um, and... I personally think that depending on, obviously depending on the game and the theme and the setting, 
it can only add to the story. Um, now, on the other side of that, it does heavily depend on the players um, and how much they can kind of... What's the word for it? Um, kind of separate game and emotion. Because um, there's been several times where um, in the game I'm in, she's been hurt and my character has been hurt because of her. Um, and that's just added to the whole story um, and everything. And essentially, I love it when GMs do this because um, I get very attached to characters very easily. Um, and when they get hurt, it's um, tears. <laughs> um, and in essence, yeah, I, I love it. Sorry, I went kind of went on a tangent there, but no, I, I, they're all relevant. Uh, yeah. I agree. I think it can only realistically add to it. Uh, I think that there should be a capping point for interactions, I feel. And by that, I mean, like, uh, uh, if it's at any point makes people uncomfortable with, like, yeah. uh, uh, oh, my God, what's it called? Uh, public signs of affection. Yeah. It can, it can start to get too much if uh, people are being very into that and that's when it, there needs to be some discussion and uh, like a like a gap or a, yeah. uh, like yeah. a capping point yeah, yeah. but um, it can add to the story I have uh, in the main campaign that we first started that we stream the uh, one of the players had a individual they were starting a family with and later down the road um they learned of something uh basically each of the players had uh the, to make it uh, the longest possible story turn into like a sentence everybody had a curse that they thought was a boon from a god and as a result they learned that of the curse and the repercussions of it and said player made the conscious decision that that curse directly affected the family and had to do something about it. And mm. that turned a already pretty severe moment into an emotional one. And that in of itself can further bring the story even into a higher light. And I think that that can make it so involved for that character mm. and that player specifically. Mm that it can then branch out to helping others yeah. in their circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. There just and, has to be that capping point. You can't yeah, go too yeah. far with uh, yeah. certain yeah. things. Like kind of building off of that, I definitely agree that relationships and NPCs that have direct and meaningful connections to a PC are very, very important. I think they bring a, a really interesting level of depth to the story and it's more of a personal thing than just here, here are some quests to go on. Some of these quests, kitty! Some of these quests are like, can be personally relevant. Like, oh, like my mom has been kidnapped. That's more compelling to me than go rescue this princess, right? Um, yeah. That said, that said, I am big on the cap. Not quite in the same way um, that, that you were, Ty. It, like, absolutely correct. Like, I, I'm fully on board. I would add to that though and say that I would also put a cap on in-game time 
spent on it because I'm gonna be real. Um, I have had the experience where I was in a game, um, a character had a girlfriend, awesome, good for her, love it, delightful. I and two other players got to sit through an hour of that player and that and that NPC going on a one-on-one -on -one date, and I wasn't into it. Yeah, like exactly. I, I think I that. that meaningful interactions like that, if the players have all been asked, "Are you okay with us doing this on like in in game? Are you okay with us doing a, an hour-long one-on-one scene?" And if the players say yes, great, go ahead and do it. But like, I didn't sign up for that, honestly. Like. Yeah. I like to do things like that on on like a one-on-one -on -one mini session, mm -hmm. um, almost like I really don't mind like a few minutes of like, hey, like my girlfriend has some information, we have to go talk to her, and like you know, 10, 15 minutes, whatever. But like, I wasn't into sitting for an hour and listening to them go all gooey. Like, it was delightful, it was adorable, but like, it was an hour long, and I had better things to do. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, so I have experienced that, and the thought didn't even come to my mind. So I yeah. completely agree with you for sure. <laughs> And, and I'm gonna because like I wouldn't if, if that happened to me I'd be like okay we should do this outside of game because I don't want to make three other people listen to this while I just go on and like I wouldn't even think to do that because like I would never assume that an entire table of people want to just watch me go on a date for an hour. Yeah, like, if I can be like watching, it would be like having people watch you go on a date. Like, <laughs> that's just like. You don't need and an like, audience for that. They're awkward yeah, enough as that is. <laughs> yeah, like, if you want to have, like, a long interaction, by all means do it, but you should do it out of game, because, like, in-game sessions are kind of for the whole party. Yeah. Yeah, I, f I feel that kind of, um, that goes better in text chat, really. Yeah! Like, actually roleplay it out in text chat. Right. With yeah. other people. And if they want to, like, read it, they can. Um, but yeah. it doesn't it, you're not overshadowing everyone else with those NPCs. And I will at that admit, point, it just becomes a DM NPC. Yeah. It's like and like kinda, I will uh, admit a little bit. I was a little <laughs> passive aggressive about it. I was like, anytime I had like a soul scene after that, I was like, well, I don't want a monopolized session. Let's just move this along. And, like I feel a little bit about that part, but <laughs> I think you need that good strong um, when you're setting up the campaign as to you yeah. know. What is acceptable, what isn't acceptable, right. having those Separate discussions. Rules, yeah. So that, yeah, so that you don't fall into that kind of mm -hmm. trap. I yeah. tend to, so with my campaign, I've very much been driven by how much information they've given me when they've done their backstories. So one of my groups given me this amazing backstory. They've got tons of brothers and sisters. Um, and so I've put them in jeopardy. And there's a whole kind of storyline about, you know, they've caught a glimpse of a possible future where their brother's going to be in a lot of trouble will they be able to get there in time to kind of save him and and it's created this really interesting kind of oh we've got this main quest but we need to do this as well and they're both time sensitive what do you want to do and that's created some interesting kind of conversations and and kind of like well fate of the world and rescuing your brother yeah i, you I, I think it do? kind of i think it kind of it's it scales the emotional toll of maybe a campaign or a mission mm -hmm. rather than say like um like my character's girlfriend needed a heart transplant um and any other npc would be like yeah okay we'll just kind of go on and maybe just do something else because a we don't have money because mm -hmm. we're all just completely broke at that point b we've got other stuff we've got literally like the fate of a galaxy to save 
Um, but because they represent an emotional toll to my character and honestly everybody else's because she's kind of from mum of a group. Um, we're like, yeah, we're going to focus on that this session rather than for fate of a galaxy because we we love her basically um yeah and anyone else it would have been like yeah whatever really um hey, we're gonna say something a while ago thanks. i don't know if you were what's that oh, sorry you were gonna say something a while yeah, yeah, ago. No, i got something sorry. good i got i got a, yeah, i got something well it was a counterpoint to jen and i'm gonna like i'm gonna lay it on even more like i agree 100 percent with everything everyone said it builds up a personal relationship it creates bonds to the world yada yada but it can make it can it can alienate other people at the table a hundred percent not just for one session but if you make like i don't know one of the main big bads the brother of another character now you've got one character who has an extremely strong relationship with the story a str extremely personal relationship with the story but then you have, but that's at the expanse of everybody else. Remind me to talk to you about an experience later. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like it, it's fantastic. It's an amazing tool, but you For gotta, you gotta share the wealth. Yeah, you gotta definitely. make sure that everybody has somebody that they have this strong personal connection to throughout yeah. the entire game. Otherwise, you can start going down this rabbit hole where you're fixating on one character for too long, and oh then it becomes okay. hard to share spotlight. It becomes hard to. To have everybody else exactly what happened in that game yeah yeah it's yeah. tough so it's I like am... do it always do it but also make sure you be careful when you do it yeah i think i think my everyone that in the spotlight i think my i think my dm is uh really good at that sort of thing um because i'm gonna yeah <laughs> i'm gonna kind of drop it here whereas yeah my my for big bad is for brother of my character um so that was <laughs> Spoilers! Yikes! <laughs> dropping that right there. <laughs> um, but he's not the only big bad. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And everybody else has somebody to focus on uh, instead of, you know, galaxy-ending threat. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny that you say that. That not like not the only big bad in uh, the home group game that we do, the one with the angels and demons and stuff. One of the big bads is uh, one of our characters' mother. And uh, we only know that because of a one-shot that was made canon. So, like, the players know, none of the characters know, and now we're just, like, sitting there, like, That's oh, cool. my God. Like, we're really good on not using meta knowledge, but yeah. it's, like, now... Because we already had like the idea that she was bad, and we haven't come in contact with her, but now we know just how bad it is, and just how bad it's going to get in the future. <laughs> it's like, ooh, that's cool. Yeah, oh, that's really fun. Let me know how that goes. I'm yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm excited. I get to play like a brawler, half minotaur, half elvish man. Oh, so much fun. Bish bash bosh. Yeah, it, it makes for a good role play, right? Like we all have a family for the most part. We all know how to have those relationships or, or those connections. You can it can ground your role play on a very personal level. Um, yeah. I'll also add, for the sake of conversation, I'll add another an, another little caveat that I think is important. And I think Isabel, you touched on it a little bit. It's that it can get real emotional real quick, right? Like it it can get really intense. 
Oh, yeah. And I'm actually not sure how where I sit on this, and maybe you guys can share your opinions on it, but like character bleed and player bleed in that sense can be really good, right? Like you can lean into your emotions if, if you had a personal experience where your loved one was sick or hurt or in danger. Man, you can get some really cool dramatic moments out of it. But at mm -hmm. what like personal cost does that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. is it good or bad if you're leaving the session feeling bummed yeah. out because you had to relive an experience that um, yeah. was very emotional to My you? My best friend had that experience. Um, she was going through a really rough time and she created a character kind of to like, to kind of play that out, um, which had a couple of issues, which, you know, we'll deal with that later. Um, but the character, like, she, she, what the character did was kind of like enable her to not address it at all so like every time she would go to session she would she would lean further into this rut and i'm just like you need to like you need to get out of this rut kill the character not kill the character but like nix the character draw up a new one because th this character is not good for you and yeah. like she didn't realize this until after the until after the character um had betrayed the entire party and tried to sell me out but um <laughs> 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 Love I mean, to be sculpted, Archfey. Um, anyway, um, some some people can find it really cathartic, can't they? Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, this yeah, and like it, it's good catharsis. However, yeah. for her, I really not. I think it's for, I think it depends on the players, like where they're at in their healing process. You yeah, know, definitely. if they have a lot of unresolved trauma or a lot of unresolved anger or unresolved issues with whatever the personal thing is that's similar to what happened in the story, it's not going to end well for anybody, especially that player. Right. So it's a Maybe not so much a um, mirror, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think the only time... I, I don't want to say the only time, but pretty much one of the only times I can think of that something like that would be okay is if you're deliberately in like a therapeutic like D&D &D game with mm -hmm. a you know somebody who does that type of work which there are people yeah. out there that do yeah. um but uh I think I, I mean I and I say this coming from the perspective of my background is in social work so so it's really easy for me to to see that in a lot of people's just everyday lives not just at the table um but you know i'm guilty of it myself like i have definitely leaned into things too hard that i'm like you know after the fact i'm like ooh, that didn't feel good and i need to i need to sort this out in my personal life before i come back to that <laughs> need to lean back yep <laughs> Sorry, I apologize if you can hear my dogs are moaning at me in my background. Because I'm ignoring him. I can tell. I can hear it. And I was just like, it's just like, why? You shouldn't be. I was imagining those like. No, no, no. You shouldn't be so rough on them. <laughs> oh come on! I, it took me a split second to pick that one up. Come on! <laughs> come on. It's great for sound effects for for, for when I'm dogging. Uh, dog it was dark night. <laughs> so yes, if anybody's listening to this and they need a sound of like a sad dog in the background, I feel free to rip that out of the audio. Yeah. <laughs> I'll isolate it later. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, let's see. Um, we got another question. 
uh, from Businesslike. Businesslike asks, and I think this is a good question, uh, my group has a player that is having difficulty melding in with the others. How can I help as a player? As a player? So, one of the things that I like to do is if I notice that someone is maybe not engaging as much as they might seem to want to, um, there are two things that I sometimes try and do. Um, the first thing I do is usually in-game, in-character. I will involve that character very very purposefully. Like, if I'm going off to scout something, or if, like, we're setting watches, I'll be like, hey, character, do you want to take watch with me? Or, hey, I was thinking of going to scope this out. I could use your insert skill here. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of a way to kind of get the player to engage a little bit more. Um, if that doesn't seem to be working, then honestly, I will reach out out of game and be like, hey, I noticed that like you seem to want to engage a little bit more, but like, you know, like every time you go to say something, you kind of stop. Like, it, like is there something that I can help with? Like, I'm usually just pretty, pretty straight up. Yeah, yeah, I think the um, thing is, it's not to make any assumptions about players, because there could be any number of reasons why they're, they're kind of struggling to, to do that engagement. And it is, as you say, it's about having a conversation. Just just needs to be... Just needs to be I'm really sorry, I thought he was going to be asleep. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay! <laughs> it just no, this is, this is perfect. This, your, your dog only wants to interact more with you. This is the exact scenario that is going on. No, uh, but I agree. Ask him, ask him what he wants, you know? Ask him what he wants and roleplay it out. <laughs> I, I do agree. Interacting with them is like probably one of the i want to say safest ways to do it um because if you ask them up front they might get like a little uh sheltered or a little um not sheltered uh like they might like withdraw a little bit and that can have like a negative impact for them at the table um it, as like a player uh absolutely interacting with them as a DM, mm -hmm. I've had instances that I have kind of brought into it that this one of that those characters might have uh, like a specific skill that the rest of the party might not be able to do, utilize as well. And bringing that into the circumstance would allow that player to be like, "Hey, uh, I know a little bit about this. So if we want to like make like a plan around that, or I'll go ahead and do this thing." then that gives them the power to, at that point, take, like, sort of the lead, and they can then interact from there. But, uh, it, like Tal's saying, it does depend per player. Uh, some people are trying to play a character that maybe doesn't talk as much, and as a result, they are um, sort of withdrawing purposefully as, like, a character development sort of deal. Yeah, I think yeah. sometimes people can find it, especially if it's either a new group or a new game, can be quite overwhelming sometimes. Mm -hmm. Intimidating you know, for, as well. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, uh, one of the groups I play in, one of the guys, and he's a really good friend, but he just likes hanging out with us. So, you know, his character doesn't interact as much, but because we all know each other, we know that, you know, he's 
joining in. He's having fun. <laughs> <laughs> I looked over to chat too, and it's just all about Tal's dog. Oh. <laughs> Is it really? oh. It's literally like he wants to engage, and you're ignoring him. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. I said next week on Tales, Tal's dog. <laughs> he would love it. He is. He is. Attention, oh. <laughs> get us a picture of if, a poor dog. If, <laughs> if, bad, neglected pup. If, the, if, if, he is, he is if so Tal... not neglected. He is, oh. This is all just. Oh, so why, why are you not attacking oh. me? Abandoned. So sad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh dear. I think. Oh. Uh, I <laughs> welfare check on Tal's dog. Oh my god! Find a more pampered pooch than another. <laughs> honestly, I I think though going back to the question at hand, I think it's 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 a little hard without the context of in what way they're not melding with the group. I like, was gonna say yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, because. We talked a little about engagement. I'm, I'm but... just gonna check on him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, we talked a little about engagement, but it also could be like maybe their humor doesn't fit, or their, yeah. you know, for whatever reason, it's a, it's something that's not necessarily a play thing, or maybe the way that they play doesn't meld with the rest of the group. You know, maybe they're more murder hobo, and the rest of the group is more diplomatic, or something like that. Yeah. I so, am. I think what Jen said though about reaching out even just out of session and just saying hey i noticed x y and z you know is do you feel like this is working for you and you know if not how could we how can we fix it so yeah i was i was gonna say for um a hundred percent all for points uh, clearly um generally just getting them more engaged mm. um at least in character Hundred um, percent. I know from personal experience that sometimes just like no, like mentioning to the DM out of game, maybe include this player a bit more in the next session, maybe have a, a small side quest or something for them to develop their character. Maybe their character isn't fully developed, um, and then just looking for a way to kind of. Uh, <laughs> Well, what's the word? What's the phrase? Uh, kind of understand their own character. Mm -hmm. um, uh, as, like as a DM, like sometimes I just—it sounds bad, but sometimes I just forget about some characters because they're maybe they are like more stoic and they're in the background. Um, and some other players do take up a lot more of the time, really. Um, some people are just very functional, aren't they? You're, you're yeah, sort of like, they're, they're for you know, face of a party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've had situations. Uh, there, there was a situation actually in recent memory where it's we we had been this, in this campaign for like three plus years, and one of the players dropped out, so we got a new player to come in and join us, and he didn't mesh into the group as well because he didn't have the dynamic that we had. Like we had spent yeah, that's three years thing. playing together. We had this. You know, it was it was understood how certain characters interact with each other. Like we, we spoke the same language, and some of the strategies that I use just to drop a few and I you know take it with a grain of salt. It might not apply fully to your situation, but 
I did the thing that everyone's saying, you talk to them out of game. I actually spoke to them before the game started. And I was saying, hey, like my character, I, I put it on me. I put the onus on me. I said, my, I would really love to have an interaction with your character about uh, their their beliefs in magic in this world, in this setting, mm -hmm. because I'm a, I'm a magic user and it's, you know, it's kind of taboo to do magic. I'd love to have that conversation one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one in character tonight. And then we had it and it was a great role play moment between our characters. I mean, whether or not that, that satisfied them in their engagement at the table, I, I, I don't know, but it was a fun interaction. And I think both of us enjoyed it. Sorry. Another thing that I like to do is speak to, to speak well of that character in character to other people at the table mm. so like you're, you're traveling you're on horseback and you know how you like the camera pans from one set of characters to the other or whatever you could say something like oh man in that last fight their character was so great they like got the killing blow on on the big enemy man they're so strong i i, I can't wait to see what they do next and just say saying that kind of puts the, the wind in their sails and it's going to make them feel like you're taking notice of them at the table mm -hmm. and that maybe, you know, don't worry, the limelight's coming. We're looking forward to seeing what your character has to offer, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's my perspective <laughs> on that. Yeah. I know the cover, the topic came up earlier where it's like when they start to say something and then they kind of like stop, uh, as a player, I'll usually like, uh, look towards them. I was like, you, you, you started to say it, did you want to add a note to this? And that'll usually like put the spotlight towards them. And if they want to step into it, they can, or they can choose not to mm -hmm. at that point. Sometimes it's just the ability to not try to like interrupt somebody or to stop somebody else's thought process. Uh, Cause it, it, it's going to inevitably happen. People are going to end up accidentally talking over each other. It's already happened. Like, 8,000 times in this stream. Mm -hmm. uh, at the table, it can happen way more because now you got characters and then you got normal players and then you got NPCs. It's just everything. So mm -hmm. sometimes just having that spot to be able to start to talk and having that pause can help somebody mm -hmm. start. Yeah. And being acknowledged, honestly, because like there have been times when I've just been like, I'm going to start to say something, but no one's looking at me. So I'm just going to be like, okay. Yeah. Well, like if someone's like, hey, Jen, you had something to say, I'll be like, thank you. Yes, I did. Pun. That uh, pun. <laughs> oh, I, don't have, I don't have anything witty for y'all. I'm sorry. Sometimes, sometimes maybe it's just a confidence issue. Um, I think a lot of new players tend to have a confidence issue with maybe not knowing the rules or uh, not knowing really. I know it's kind of uh, a, a, it's a strange way of putting it, but not knowing how to role play. Um, because yeah. in a game for I'm playtesting, I have my niece playing, and she's actually really, really good at role playing, but her confidence isn't for best because it's her first game, and because the game is relatively advanced, even for like I guess veteran players, it's a lot to handle for a, a literally a brand new player she's never played before. Um, and at some points, she does ask, "Am I doing this right?" And it's just it's just talking to a, like an NPC, yeah. and I have to go. Yeah, you just yeah. talk. You're perfectly fine. 
Um, and also, like, improv is a learned and... Uh, uh, improv is a skill. It's not like an innate... Like, it can be an innate ability, but, like, improv is something that you have to work on to get good yeah. at. And, like, it can be intimidating when you jump in, seeing all these veteran players just, like, you know, playing off of one, one another, like, bouncing off of each other. Like, and if you're not super into improv, like I was in, the, like, in the beginning when I was first playing TTRPGs, I didn't know. Mm, I had nothing. But, like... Sometimes it can be really scary to come out of your shell and be like, am I improving right? Look, well, there's no wrong way to improv, yeah. just do it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that sort of ties in with um, like having older, joining older groups. Because um, yeah. as you said, like improv is a skill. But personally, I feel for improv is a skill per group, mm -hmm. um, which meshes in with like in-jokes and how yeah. for characters respond to each other. Um, it's a sport. It's like a team yeah. sport, you know. Eventually, everyone play plays a on sport. Yeah. Some people know, like, oh, if I pass the ball to you, you're gonna pass it back. We do yeah. this cool give and go, whatever. It's exactly yeah. that in a role playing scenario. And um, you have to learn your ins and outs. Kind of what you said, Matt, with the whole uh, new people joining an older group. I've had that exact experience. I've uh, had in my current group. We were only in like ten sessions in, maybe 10, 15 sessions. And we had a couple of players drop out, so we got some new ones. Um, and they didn't mesh with us because we had been a well-oiled machine. We knew how to play off each other. Um, and it just, it wasn't the same, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, you can tell when a group works. Um, and it's just, I, I think part of it was for confidence. Um, and not kind of knowing how to integrate themselves with the party. Yeah. yeah. Um, not to labor that's the point. A big issue. Oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. Tyler, you no, said. No, no. Oh, no. I was agreeing. I said oh, okay. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Not cool. to labor the point. I have one other thing on this. Sorry. I, I feel passionate about this. This is uh, um, something you can do that we're, we've done at our table lately is also come to the understanding that if you say something that's like lore unfriendly or like not canon or whatever it's okay like have the have the meta understanding at your table that if you call something the wrong name or you you just like you, you know you you use lingo that's not exactly the way it ought to be said it's fine and then you can correct it later when you're out of the, the role play scene but just if everybody's on the same page that person might feel a little bit more confident in in just rolling with the punches, say whatever comes to their mind. And if they, you know, they called the arcanum the the, the wrong thing, like it's who cares? Like it's yeah, not the end no, of the world. Exactly. It's just the name. We of don't a... know what they mean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as long as everyone understands you. Everybody's got to start somewhere, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. And I guess yeah. they really just like. Like back to the main question, it just kind of like it boils down to make sure that they know that you, that like they are welcome in the space. Like just make sure that they know that they are welcome, they are supported, and y'all are there to like give them what they need and welcome them into the group as best you can. Like ultimately, it all comes down to just making sure they know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think maybe a last point, but I'm not sure about you guys. Um, it's okay to not always mesh with a party and don't try and force it if you think it won't work because um, it, it will break a lot more if you try and force that bond or that if you try and force yourself into somewhere where you don't 
maybe belong. There's always a party out there for you. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. that's just kind of it uh, 100%. for me. I 100%. completely agree. Yeah. It's okay to step out if you got us. Yeah. There's no shortage of DMs looking for people. True. God, go to Twitter. You say, I'm looking for a game. <laughs> 40,000 comments. Where can we find these 40,000 replies? I want them. I will add for caveat, depending on system. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Like 5e games, you can always find like a bajillion, less so in independent systems and any systems, but they're still out there. I would say for trying to find a Pathfinder 1e has actually been really hard for me, surprisingly so. Wait, yo, hi, that's me. <laughs> Wait, yo! <laughs> it's it's been super hard. Um, but yeah, there's so always many a system. Transition to two E. <laughs> oh, I just love one. Like two E is just intimidating to me. I'm just, which is funny because it seems simpler. It's just more intimidating to me somehow. I uh, I know a ton of groups that have gone to five E from Pathfinder, and yep, yep. I don't really want to play five E anymore. <laughs> I just want to play what I want to play. So yeah, Pathfinder's a good time. Uh, it yeah. is. Hopefully that helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'm looking at the time and we have one more question. I don't think we're going to have time to get through it, but I'll throw the question out there just in case anybody wants to take a stab at it real quick. Mm -hmm. um, so the last question that we got came in from... Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to call you Despacito. I hope that's okay. Um, and the question was, was there a moment that you realized TTRPGs were special or that made it really click for you? And if so, what was it? Uh, ooh. So this was less to deal with a TTRPG. So when I first uh, started watching some of them. I had no intentions of going into the genre, never playing, DMing, anything like that, because I didn't think that I had the uh, the mental fortitude to just start to construct, like, words and characters and creating a story. But uh, my friend had brought me into uh, a, uh, a roleplay chat that was based on a game. It was based off Persona 5, and um, we... Uh, it was just basically role-playing it out as characters. Some were playing as characters that they made, others were playing as characters from the game. So when I initially started, I started out as a character from the game, and when I started to see people's created characters, created stories, and going from there, I built a story for a character that already existed in the game, and eventually wanted to make a character of my own. And after doing that and creating a whole storyline with that, I saw people getting really into what I had created. And as a result, uh, that brought me, it was like, I, it was TTRPGs were in the back burner. And this started me going into TTRPGs because it did show me that I could do something like this and could create characters, could write a story and then have other people enjoy it just as much as I did making it. Yeah, for cool. me, I was, um, uh, it was start of secondary school and um, everyone getting to know each other and someone lent me a book and it was Dragons of Autumn Twilight and I just devoured it because it was it was one of the it was so you know literally three o'clock in the morning still kind of reading it through and we That's had a bit of such a good book. 
Um, and we had this big discussion, and he was like, did you know that, you know, you can be those characters? And I was like, oh, hang on, what? That was it. At, at that point, I was like, okay. And from that kind of point onwards, it was very much a... You know, I was always a big reader, but sometimes just having that agency of going, this is my story and this is where I take it, is just so powerful. And that's the kind of, um, I guess, uh, rush you get from these kind of games, is that you, know, you can create whatever you want and satisfaction of kind of taking a character all the way through or seeing them fail and then pick themselves up. You, you know, it's better than anything because you're driving it and it's what you want. Yeah. Um, I tell the story a lot when um, someone asks me about like how, I, like why I'm so obsessed with, with, you know, D and D or as I like, or TTRPGs or as I like to call them, titter pigs, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, titter pigs. Um, that moment for me was a very clearly defined moment. Um, I can actually pinpoint like the moment, the moment I learned. Um, I did that, that moment actually happened about a year and a half after I started playing TTRPGs. Um, I initially was just there for the company and like, and the people and the friends. I didn't really know what I was doing because it was Pathfinder and my GM, he had this tendency to forget that not everyone has an IQ of like a bajillion and just like forget mm. and forgot to slow down enough to explain what the hell I was doing. Um, so I was just like, what do I roll? Okay. Uh, seven, uh, you know, seven, whatever. Um, however, he figured that out pretty fast and I, you know, I was still not really having it. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was disconnected half the time I was gone on ultimate frisbee tournaments. And one day he brings in a villain. Um, that seems to be weirdly fixated on my character. Not in a weird way, just like in a, you know, like, we're from the same country, so screw you way. Um, and also, an and also his boss, another villain who was the same deal. Um, and I had like no backstory to speak of, no motivations, no nothing. I was like, I'm here, me and my bird, it's, it's just me and my bird, we're here. Um, and then one day this, this like big boy villain, um, swings through the in window that I was sleeping in, um, middle of the night, takes me down to like, I, it was nine hit points. Um, for reference, we, we were like level seven or eight at this point. So it was pretty significant, um, before I'm even awake. And before I know it, I'm unconscious because it's a fucking monk. <laughs> Let's be real. Um... <laughs> And I'm so, and you know what? In Pathfinder, uh, when you're dying, basically you make your save. If you fail your save, uh, you lose a hit point until you're down to your negative your Constitution score. At which point you die. And I'm watching her hit points go down as I, for some reason, just keep failing these saves. And I remember having this moment of realization, being like, "Oh my God, I don't want her to die." So I somehow survived that entire battle. I didn't die. Um, I then. Um, after that, I then wrote a backstory. I incorporated those two characters into my backstory, and I resolved then and there, like, this is an amazing hobby. I love what I'm doing. S someone managed to take something that I was pretty, like, nonchalant and, like, amb you know, ambivalent about and make me really, really care about it. And that was kind of like a really magical story of, oh, like, oh, crap, I don't want this character to die. And that was, that, that's my story. 
and she's That's sticking to cool. it. And I'm yeah, sticking yeah. to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go and say no, though. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the odd one out and say I don't think I can pinpoint a moment. That, I mean, I th there was definitely a progression. The love grew over time, and and you know, the more I got into the hobby, the more I started podcasting, the more I started playing, the more I started game mastering. It, it grew, but I can't. Hats off to you guys for like having a, a, a turnkey moment that really spoke to you. I, I don't know. I love it. That's all that matters to me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, you're into it, and that's uh, you know, pretty that's much. It. That's what matters. That's where you are. So the yeah. starting doesn't matter. It's the yeah. uh, the middle line there. Um, I I'm kind of the same as Matt, to be honest. I couldn't <laughs> really pinpoint a time, but um. But that's a lie. I mean, I every time, every time I play, I'm finding something new and magical about the game, and why I love it. Really, yeah. um, every time I make a character, I kind of I put a little bit of myself into them, and seeing them grow and change, and you know, develop in ways I didn't even intend for them mm. to go into. Um, is why I love tabletop games. And that's why I play, really. That's awesome. I don't think I had an exact moment, but I do remember there was one time that it was really early on when I was playing D&D, you know, like probably my first or second campaign. And so this was like 13 years ago. 12 years ago, something like that. And um, people who have affectionately heard me refer to the bad DM was another player in this campaign. And his character, um, I was doing a one-on-one -on -one little side quest with the DM because we had to like take a week off. And so a couple of us were like, oh, well, since we're resting in this place, we want to do this thing. And so he's like, okay, so your character wakes up in the middle of the night and you happen to notice that your cleric is, uh, is hogtied in a fireplace over there, like hanging from a, you know, from a stick and like a, you know, like a big, almost like a spit, you know, but just hanging there. And, but he's sound asleep and I'm like, okay. So I just keep going. And um, so I go off and I do my mission and I come back and he's like, okay, so before you go to rest, is there anything else you want to do? And I said, yes. And he goes, oh God. <laughs> 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 and uh, so I, I will say I was chaotic neutral. And, um, and, uh, I, and I was a rogue and I said, I want to uh, take everything out of his bag and his pockets, and I want to place a fire trap under him. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God. So so somehow he's like, this is, he's like, you need to roll above a this, you know, whatever it was. And I managed to pull it off without waking him up. And I was like, I am sold. Like, I am so into this. <laughs> so the next time the whole group gets together, he's like, so, uh, so you wake up and, um, you know, for the most part, everybody looks pretty normal, except for some reason, you know, player, your character is hogtied in a, um, you know, in the middle of a fireplace. And he's like, oh my God. So he gets himself down and he's like, and you land in a fire trap. And he's like, what the hell? 
just like it was just this moment of like oh that was a lot of fun Uh, all right. Well, we are at about the time where we need to start wrapping up. Oh. So um, what I'm going to have everybody do is we're going to go around again and um, just remind us of who you are and uh, where we can find you online. And then uh, Jim the Dim threw a question out for everybody to answer during your during your uh, your outro, if you will. Um, so who you are, where we can find you online and... Um, Show off your favorite TTRPG accessory within reach. <laughs> so. <laughs> so everybody has a second to look for one real quick. And we're going to go. Okay. We're going to go in the. I know what yours is. <laughs> Was it what you showed off before we went live? No. Oh, okay. Um, so we're going to go in the reverse order of when we went this morning. So Tyler, we're going to start with you. Uh, well, I'm Tyler. I'm the dungeon master and creator of Misroll Adventures, where the players make plans and horribly execute them. Uh, <laughs> you can find us on YouTube, Twitter, and uh, Twitch with uh, as Misrolled underscore Adventures. And um, we play tons of games. We play roleplay games, strategy games, survival games, as well as going into roleplay games heavily, where we voice act, play things like that. We run two campaigns that we stream every uh, every other Saturday. This upcoming Saturday, we'll actually be streaming Stella Heart again. We went on a slight hiatus because our DM unfortunately caught COVID, so couldn't do it last week or last month. And uh, he's fully recovered, and he's been dying to play it. And my one of my favorite accessories uh, is actually for said campaign, as I play a uh, glamour bard who is uh, a tap dancer. So I had purchased some uh, <laughs> instruments to use. Oh, so that way I can actually, yeah. Yeah, that way I can perform as uh, as tap dances. Cause that's the best I can do. Cause I cannot actually tap dance. So dedication. Uh, uh, I'm, this has probably been the least inexpensive but also one of my favorite things to have gotten for an accessory to a character. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you for coming on. It was so good to have you come back again. Oh, so much fun. Yeah. All right. I know. Um, Tal, we'll head over to you next. Uh, so you can catch me over on Twitter um, at the Gamers Rest. Uh, my dogs are fine, so please don't at me. Uh, <laughs> my dogs are They are extremely well looked after. I promise you that. Um, so I'm a writer and designer of uh, mainly 5e um, games and supplements, hoping to have my Halloween one-shot game out this week if I can finish the editing. <laughs> Fingers crossed. It's taken a <laughs> long time. Um, but yeah, so, um, and for, in terms of my accessories, so this was painted for me uh, by, I don't know if you can see him, by a very good friend of mine, uh, Michael Morder, who's a miniature that. painter. Uh, Oh, he looks awesome. And he is fantastic. And um, yeah, so uh, one of the guys I actually play with on a regular basis, and he's a fantastic artist. And just, I love this. It's one of my favorite miniatures that I own. And uh, yeah, and I shall probably be using it against him at some point in the future. Inspiring and highly. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Awesome. So, I love that. Of, That's cool. Uh, electricity over there. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Tal, for coming. Hey, thank you. Thanks for the invite. To get to know you. Uh, Matt. Yeah. Hi. Thank, hi. Thanks, Luna, for having me back on. Love love being here. The conversations are always great. Yeah. Um, if, uh, if you guys enjoy conversations like this, you'll probably enjoy listening to Roleplay Chat. That's R-O-L-E Play Chat. It's a deep dive podcast conversation about tabletop RPGs. Uh, sometimes we have really cool guests on the show to bring their unique perspectives to talk about a number of topics. We go from, you know, quote unquote, straightforward things like talking about traps, or sometimes we talk about more complicated things like player engagement, role play at your table, uh, adventure building, that kind of thing. So it's a lot of fun. Um, I've, we've had some awesome guests on. Luna's been on the show before. I'm actually super, I'm super pumped because every time I get to talk about this, I get like butterflies in my stomach, but we had, I, I, I got to talk to Brennan Lee Mulligan uh, on one of our episodes. It was like actually like meeting one of your heroes. It was awesome. That's great. Um, and yeah, so any podcasting platform that you use, you can, you can find Roleplay Chat there. Uh, the episodes are not in any kind of order. You can listen to them all jumbled up if there's a topic that speaks to you. Uh, and, and yeah, and, and then you can find me on Twitter. I try to be as interesting as I can on there. Uh, that's at roll underscore play underscore chat. And, uh, and that's it. Yeah. Ho hoping to be back. Oh, and my, 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 my thing that I want to show off that I showed off during before the show. Yeah. Is my, is my craft so that good. I built. Yeah. It's a XPS, wow. XPS foam boat with uh, wood grain it took me forever to do the wood grain like honestly it took me forever <laughs> to carve all the wood grain it's and it opens so impressive. up you can like open it up and play inside so yeah we play a pirate campaign so you get i get to use this quite a bit that is awesome i must i must not have been around when you had shown that because that looks Oof, beautiful right? thank you it's thank so you good. yeah i thought it was a toy i thought you literally went out and bought it like no man, it's all, it's all, yeah, I have like this yeah. foam cutter and everything. I, my wife hates me for spending too much time <laughs> playing with styrofoam. <laughs> uh, it's all right, you could be spending all your money on dice. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Matt, it was great to have you back. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, your podcast is fantastic and I highly recommend it. So um, thank, thank you, you for coming you. on. Uh, Jen. All right. Hi, guys. I'm Jen. This is Freya, my sad, sick cat. Um, I can be found on Twitter at Jen Burb, um, and I play on Plot Hunters, which is an all-POC uh, D&D uh, 5e stream. Right now we're on hiatus. However, I will be coming out with a baby campaign um, to span that hiatus, so keep an eye out. Um, there isn't too much about me. Most of the games that I play are offline. I regaled... Um, the other four, four, five, uh, with tales of my unrealistically um, numerous um, the, uh, TTRPG exploits. Um, my favorite um, TTRPG accessory is going to be a little weird. Um, so in my Pathfinder games, two of my Pathfinder games, uh, we use a system called Spheres of Might, which is basically an alternative martial system. Um, and as if you've played it, or if you even just, you know, play with a lot of spells and abilities and stuff like that, you know how annoying it is to keep track of everything. Uh, so I actually have ability cards that I have handwritten out, including action economy, descriptions, wow. all of that. 
So this is going to be my favorite TTRPG accessory because it helps me keep track of what the hell I'm doing. I That's love it. Cool. That's super cool. I love really it. Cool. Anyway, thank very you so nice handwriting too. Thank it's you. <laughs> this has been a fantastic experience. Great. I'm glad to hear it. And it was so great to have you on. Um, I'm, I'm super impressed with those. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you like more detailed pictures later. Awesome. <laughs> All right. And Isabel. <laughs> yes. Hi. Uh, again, I'm Isabel. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Unox Powered Game. Um, typically, it's a lot of um, shit posting. Um, but occasionally, when I'm actually productive, um, I kind of tend to plug my uh, in development tabletop RPG. Um, and there are a couple of projects that I want to get started soon enough. Um, kind of a bit of a surprise uh, now and again, but yeah, hopefully that will pick up soon. So, um, keep an eye out for that, I guess, if awesome. you like surprises. I and like surprises. yeah, it was a, it was a, I guess, honor being on here. Uh, my first kind of, uh, podcast get together so this was great awesome you were natural so yes it was great to have you do you have a uh accessory to show off uh unfortunately not i do literally all of my gaming online now yeah um majority of the people i know are from america so um in person is a bit impractical yeah a little bit Oh, um, what, you're not going to fly every time to sit no. down at a table? <laughs> I guess, guess I'm a bad DM. I, what oh. can I say? <laughs> Can't believe um, it. And all, all my physical stuff is actually back at my old house. So The accessory is your here. computer. There you go. Yes, yeah, I that's have your hundreds, accessory. hundreds of accessories on here. There you go. All to help me. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much, all of you, for coming on. And, and I know some of you probably have had to stay up excruciatingly late to be here. And I appreciate that very much. Um, and I am Gaber Mom Luna. This has been Tales from the Tavern, my favorite TTRPG accessory. No, it is not my dice. It is my <laughs> dice catapult. i saw that sitting behind you for so long i was gonna ask i actually have two of them i have one that sits behind me and i have another one on a shelf above my desk and uh they are they come from elderwood academy and um oh my god i love them they're supposed to be for rolling a d20 they also work really great for mini marshmallows just saying (laughs) i definitely have not tried that at all shooting marshmallows at a What's DM the range ever. you get on that thing? How far does it go? <laughs> Depends on the tension of the rubber band you put on it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 15 with disadvantage. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. So if you ever see me joking about, you know, uh, uh, Apache 1222 in chat puts it in there about our marshmallow autocannons, that's where that came from <laughs> is my, is my, uh, my dice catapult. So, um, 
Yes, so Tales from the Tavern, we're here every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, and uh, you can catch us, like I said, every Sunday night. Um, coming up next week, um, we're going to be doing a fundraiser. We're partnering, well, we, I am partnering with uh, the Games Tavern for doing a charity stream for Operation Supply Drop. If you are not familiar with them, they are a, uh, a veterans charity that works with them on helping them transition to civilian life, um, transitioning from active duty to civilian life and linking them with uh, agencies in the community that they can volunteer with and things like that. So, um, so we're going to be helping raise some money for them. And, um, we are still, uh, we still have the casting call out for our My Little Ponies in Ravenloft game. If anybody is interested, let me know. I will get the link to you guys. Uh, hopefully we're going to be starting that up fairly soon. And... <laughs> Yep, yep, we're playing as My Little Ponies in Ravenloft, so that's going to be yes, fun. Yes, please. <laughs> was like, you already have a character made. Yeah, right? I was saying, yeah. Done. Easy. <laughs> and, uh, and that will be an, an, an eight-week streamed game uh, here right on my channel. Um, the date uh, and all of that, times and everything, are still TB, TBD. So, um, so, yeah, so we're working on that. And uh, I think... We're going to go raid uh, Total Party Chill, who is streaming some tabletop RPGs tonight. Um, they are a very fun group, so uh, sit tight, and we will be back again next Sunday night, and we will see you then. Have a great evening, everybody. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Tales from the Tavern. You can catch this podcast recorded live every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv forward slash GamerMomLuna. All of our questions come directly from chat, so we never really know what to expect when we go live. If you ever have a question or would like to add something to the conversation, feel free to reach out on Twitter at GamerMomLuna and use the hashtag TFTT. You may just get to hear it answered. Thanks so much. Good job, guys. We did that was it. fun. Yeah. Honestly, I've never had the chance to be on like a forum discussion like this before, and I love it. It's a lot of fun. I've done it uh, a couple times. Uh, like I said, once with uh, a while back, like right when I first started, I'm like super quiet and just like yeah. we talk over people, <laughs> like constantly sitting on this stuff. I'm, I'm super into like bouncing ideas off each other like this because also it lends like a perspective that I never thought about. Uh, um, so I really love just like talking about stuff like that. I, I found that most of the people that I know typically come from the same background as I do. So that's it's super useful. Um, yeah. To speak to everyone. <laughs> so, yeah. I just can't get over how late it is and you guys are still like knocking no. out great perspective <laughs> just like coming up with super you got a dog barking at you in the background <laughs> <Yeah. looking> <laughs>